Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Baked and Wake podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Steve, and uh, I'm happy to say after uh, being momentarily baffled by a little bit of an audio quirk there, I think I got my act together here and we're going to be able to get our Landmark Forum episode part two, sort of a uh, deep dive that um, deep dive conversation, maybe a little bit more of a dynamic um, episode uh, in terms of uh, how we're going to engage the Landmark Forum uh, conversation that we want to have today. Uh, I am joined, going to be joined here this afternoon by my good friend George Masters, who's back uh, for another visit and great conversation with me here today on the show. Uh, what we're going to do today is go straight into Landmark Forum-related materials, so we will forego, you know, a lot of major cannabis talk this episode. I might have a couple short comments at the end about some cool updates that we may, uh, well, that we'll probably get to in our very next episode, um, so by way of introduction of those thoughts, but, you know, again, we'll, we'll push them to the end instead of front-loading them this time around. Uh, so what I've got are a couple more audio samples from, uh, my friend, uh, from the East Coast who recently completed the Landmark Forum's initial curriculum, um, that was featured at the end of last episode. Uh, so we'll look forward to sharing a few more, uh, of his reflections on his time at Landmark. And in addition to that, uh, I plan to uh, lead in with a little bit of a article that I found uh, that is from a magazine called Psychology Today, and it's an article from a few years ago where they also talked about um, the Landmark Forum in the context of a 40th anniversary uh, sort of celebration that was going on for the Landmark Forum at that time. And yeah, I found it to be a very interesting article. So, um, yeah, that's basically, we're going to get it started here in just a minute before we do, um, even though this isn't going to be a lot of cannabis-related content this episode, I will be getting safe before we start diving in on this Landmark Forum material once again. So what we're going to do here next is take a super quick break, even quicker for you than for me, um, I'm going to press pause and turn on the torch and stuff like that and set myself up with a little dab here, offer George a little dab here. We may just get ourselves on the right storytelling wavelength and uh, then come right on back. So as always, I suggest you do the same. Get yourself a cup of tea, pack a fresh bowl, roll something up. Um, obviously, definitely, if you're a fellow dabber, set it up. And we'll be right back. We're going to sit down together and talk a little bit more in depth about the very interesting organization known as the Landmark Forum.
Oh, I couldn't hear myself. There we go. So I had myself turned down for us. There we go. Coming back. Steve's back. It's like it's like a new time every time. <laughs> a new time every time. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah, well, what I'm referring to is my sound setup here, which is endlessly fun to fiddle with here. Um, getting ready to plug my good buddy George's mic in, and we'll bring him online. Let's see. Let's see what happens when we plug George in here. Can we do this without blowing up the whole works as we go? I bet we can. It's probably not optimal. Ooh. Woo! We all heard. Everybody heard that. George, say hi to us. Hi. <clears throat> Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Good to have you. Glad to be here. There we go. I'm going to bring Just you... Just like last time. I think I said the exact same thing last time. Glad to be here. That's okay. That's a, that's a reasonable response to welcome back. If you are indeed, response, you know, yes. if you are indeed glad to be, you know, people are like, good to see you. Good to be seen. All right. So... You might have guessed by now we did we did get safe. <laughs> we dabbed a little uh, Blackwater uh, BHO concentrate from Goldline. Once again, I'm on that Goldline train because the shit's totally affordable, and as far as I'm concerned, it's totally great. So uh, can't say nothing bad about it. And Blackwater is an indica leaning strain, uh, generally understood. And uh, I would say I, I, I feel like it's agreeing with me right now for the most part, agreeing with George uh, as well, and, and definitely seeming to manifest its indica, uh, you know, uh, indications, so to speak. So uh, perfect for telling a story like the one we're going to tell tonight. Uh, what I've got, George, for you, I want to lead in with everybody with this uh, article that I told you about from Psychology Today. Okay, uh, and this is coming back from a few years back now, which is, I, you know, I kind of like that for this reason, because it's obviously hopefully, you know, kicking around, like I said to you before, not behind some paywall anywhere. It's here for everybody. Um, and we may not read it all word for word, but, um, you know, this one, this story is a little bit more about, it's actually about the predecessor, okay, that the EST predecessor to Landmark Forum, which... I guess if I'm saying anything in these two episodes, it's that I feel like, you know, having attended the, the initial weekend and not having gone any further, but, you know, having at least attended that much, I, I got the general spiel of the, of the you know, the first, first layer public face of the organization, you know, uh, to folks. Um, and uh, I, I feel like from everything I've seen documentary wise about EST um, it was a more emotional and more intense uh, experience in a lot of ways but a lot of the underlying philosophies are still you know I feel like it's still there in, in landmark forum to a great extent and uh, the spirit of the founder Werner Erhard I feel like is you know there for the 
manifesting uh, at the very next level with with your volunteers and with the advanced curriculum. You know, from what from what I can tell, it just feels more uh, cranked up as you continue to get involved with the organization. Um, and uh, I'd love to get a hold of some of the. You know, there's very little books. Okay, they they literally they intentionally don't seem to have a lot of you know books that are given there's certainly nothing given out at the first weekend and you're not as they said you're discouraged from taking notes not encouraged to take notes so but anyway i'm going off on my own commentary about this and maybe i you know should chill out and read the article um the article deals with est Earhart seminar training course right the the property that was eventually sold to the former students of uh, Werner Earhart and became the landmark forum. And and this is about the 40th anniversary of that um, movement because it can be considered a movement. And this is the movement that gave birth to the self-improvement um, corporate seminar, culture, uh, career development, personal development, uh, uh, sort of super industry that we see today that I've referenced already in terms of you know, other big uh, personalities in that space over, you know, recent memory. So, all right. So, this story was written by Elizare Sobel. And uh, the title is The 40th Anniversary of the EST Training, a gathering of the original Human Potential Movement Graduates. Okay, so this is this article is dealing with those folks involved in the original movement and them coming together to celebrate its anniversary, you know, in, in 2011, I guess. There are many people in the world, and you may be one of them, who have nothing good to say about EST. Erhard Seminar Training, or its controversial founder, Werner Erhard. EST was one of the very first intensive consciousness seminars of the human potential movement of the early 70s, the prototype for hundreds of spin-offs and workshops that continue to be offered today. Over the years, there have been negative stories, rumors, accusations of cultish behavior, disaffected employees, and so on. The usual stuff we've come to expect. But there are also far more people in the world, by a long shot, who are among the million or so participants that attended Earhart's training, who are thrilled by the results they received. Okay? Fair. And that's, you know... The whole point. We're talking about it not because we, we're here to utterly trash it. We're here to examine, you know, uh, you know, not sit in judgment of it. You know, just examine it and look at it. Um, but they're going. All right, it's me again. Shut up, Steve. Read the story, then we can go back to yapping. People had enormous and powerful changes occur for them in a very short time. It was a two-weekend course. Okay, in contrast to my landmark 
platform one weekend course. It was a two-weekend course, and no naysayer could talk them out of the very real value they experienced in their lives as a result of participating in EST, whether it was dramatic transformations in their relationships with families, with their work and personal vision, or most important, with the recognition of who they truly were in the core of their beings. The latter group is coming together on December 17th at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles. Again, this was 2011. 40 years after EST's inception, to acknowledge and celebrate what they experienced over the course of two weekends four decades ago. So this is like the seminal class, George. It's like the originals, you know. Um, yeah, I'm reading about it over here. There we go. Cool. Um, so, yeah, they want to share what has happened and how they've used what they experienced in the EST training to make a difference in the world, which was always the point. If you're not sharing it, you never got it, Werner used to say. And it was his stated intention, perhaps grandiose, but a worthy goal nonetheless, to, quote, make the world work for everyone with nobody left out. If you think about it, how many specific weekends can you vividly remember from 40 years ago? Clearly, something occurred in that room that was not only indelibly memorable, but utterly transforming, such that many graduates of the training would forever after demarcate their lives as before and after EST. What occurred can perhaps best be described as a fundamental shift in one's essential identity and point of reference, the place within consciousness where one stands in relationship to all of experience itself. Prior to the EST training and prior to spiritual awakenings that arise in many other modalities, the seeker generally assumes that who they are is the voice in their head that continuously narrates the story of their lives. The voice that speaks within, calling itself I. This seems perfectly obvious. Who else could I be if not the I that thinks and speaks, makes plans and decisions? expresses preferences, dislikes, and carves out one's life path based on all of the available data and experience from the past. To challenge such a deeply held assumption can be enormously difficult, unsettling and confusing, and can often elicit anger and defensiveness which is why former EST trainer Stuart Emery once paraphrased Jesus. The truth may set you free, but it will piss you off first. Remind me to come back to that one if you can. Sure. 
The awakening to one's true identity beyond the conventional mind is the first step of the spiritual path in nearly every religious and mystical tradition. Mediators spend days, months, and years sitting on a cushion, attempting to see into this state of affairs and to unseat what for many of us has become an inner tyrant. Our ego running our lives and dragging us along for the ride. Some teachers have commented, if you had a friend that constantly harangued you and talked to you the way you talk to yourself, you wouldn't keep that person in your life. <laughs> really great point. I like that one. What was unique about Werner's approach is that he managed to effectively communicate and reveal this distinction in a compressed time period. Often people attacked him for this saying, monks sit in Zen monasteries for 40 years and often still fail to achieve this insight. And here you are, claiming to package enlightenment in a two-weekend fast food course for the masses. You are nothing but a con man, playing on people's gullibility and spiritual hunger. Werner's response was to point out that, in fact, people spend 40 years in Zen monasteries not getting enlightened. The actual moment of awakening occurs in an instant, in the now, outside of the conventional time stream, and therefore can just as easily happen in this present now as it can after 40 years. They have a little parentheses like supporting, I don't know if it's a supporting statement. I don't know if it's a supporting statement. It's in parentheses here next to a little weird graphic. Um, it says the spiritual counterculture shared this view as evidenced by the immense popularity of books like Ram Dass's Be Here Now and later Eckhart Tolle's. Is it Tolle? Eckhart Tolle? I, I always fucking butcher that. I'm so I sorry. Totally. I think it's Tolle. The Power of Now, among countless others, with similar themes. And actually, that's the thing, among countless others. That's that's the thing that I keep harping on that we're talking about, too, is, you know, that, like, this stuff is, like, I mean, I don't know if it's good news or bad news. I guess it's good news that it's not wholly invented out of nothing, right? It's a lot of other schools of psychology, though, I feel like, are being, you know, like, streamlined and, like, turbo you know, presented to you in a in any of these sort of formats. All right, but again, that's me, my commentary. All right, there's not not a whole lot more to this story, you guys, but we should I think I should let them finish that making their point. Um, I would conjecture that a majority of the million or so EST graduates would confirm that they indeed had a direct, if fleeting, experience in the training of their true identity. In what amounted to a rigorous four-day course in philosophy and epistemology, it somehow became clear to many of us that there is another force present in our own human consciousness, characterized by a spacious awareness, above, beyond, and prior to the ego's eye. A space within which our conventional daily I carries on, 
telling its endless story. EST called this other domain of experience the self, distinguishing it from the mind. The latter, suddenly seen from a new vantage point and observed as little more than a conditioned, near-machine-like set of responses to stimuli, harboring the illusion of choice and free will, but actually operating on automatic pilot. Yet the power of this illusion is vast. Our minds interpret events, draw conclusions about life and reality that we accept as true, and then we behave accordingly, looking for and finding evidence to validate our positions, no matter how unworkable or non-productive those views might be. Darn you psychology today, people. Sound really smart. <laughs> this fundamental distinction is at the root of the spiritual process. Whether discovered through EST, on a meditation retreat, in a religious setting, on an LSD trip, or randomly through sheer grace. But once seen, the practitioner's spiritual work is to regularly practice relaxing into the non-judgmental witness position of this self, while the false I of the mind continues on its merry way, believing itself to be real and autonomous, separate and independent, tiny and alone in a vast universe. The self, by way of contrast, is experienced to be identical with that vastness itself, indistinguishable from the underlying unified field of all conscious experience. Once this distinction is seen, even if for a moment, it changes everything. One can never fully go back. Never fully believe one's own mind and its distorted version of reality. The problem arises, however, is that the ego would much rather be right about its belief system and worldview, even if it causes suffering to self and others rather than be wrong and discover the more peaceful life that comes from recognizing and aligning with how things actually are. I guess that's when you don't go with the flow, you know. Interesting. Um, okay, so it's just about done here. What it is and what it isn't was one of the Zen-like aphorisms of the EST training. Oh, what it is, what is, is, and what isn't, isn't. Okay, this was one of the Zen-like aphorisms of EST training. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know if that one's so super 
I feel like that one's super erudite. I don't know. Hmm. To cultivate the ability to simply be with what is and what isn't, and to grant people the room to be exactly the way they are and exactly the way they aren't, provides a great freedom. It releases us from the impossible struggle to change everything and everyone in order to conform to our preference for how all of life should be were we in charge. Hence the famous dictum of the third Chinese patriarch, often quoted at meditation retreats. The great way is not difficult for he or she who has no preferences. Imagine, if you will, the immense frustration you would undergo daily if you were absolutely committed to your preference that the sky be green instead of blue. That your mother be some other way rather than the way she actually is. That you yourself were some idealized version of you rather than who and how you really are. Imagine being upset that a river won't run upstream. As Werner put it, it's a whole lot easier to ride the horse in the direction it's going. <laughs> it's not bad. I like that one. Uh, Alright, so then, yeah, I said it was over, but it wasn't totally over. But um, So, they go on to talk about how the event that this guy's writing the article about, you know, goes down in L.A. Earhart's not even actually there, it's it, but it is members of the original generation of the organization. Um, but it was like, you know, they're showing up at the invitation of a grassroots organization that, I think, put it together for them. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so, yeah, so that was like a bunch of like the nets and bolts about how it went down in L.A., and I'm not even going to read it, but I will read this. Although the form of the work of the Landmark Forum has changed considerably from EST over time, okay, you know, probably, that's probably more fair um, than I know, although I've seen, yeah, I mean, there was a lot more group wailing and, and crying going on in the, in the EST days from what you'll see when you look up the videos on the internet. You know, you can watch videos that have, you know, been uh, preserved over the years of, of that, so. Um, yeah, okay. They say here, the underlying spirit of it remains consistent with Werner's original vision. So, but the Landmark Forum's umbrella organization, Landmark Education, as controversial and either revered or despised, just as much as EST ever was, is likewise not affiliated with this event. So yeah, everybody's not affiliated <laughs> for the people, by the people. I guess that point was that, you know, there's, there's still a strong connection between EST and Landmark and maybe it's spiritual and philosophical more than direct um, because I don't think there's supposed to be 
much going on in terms of, you know, any organizational ties. Like, I guess probably Earhart doesn't make any money off a landmark forum these days, right? Because, as I pointed out, he's still around and doing his own motivational talks and schools and clinics and things. So, um, so he concludes, personally, as the 99th monkey, I don't know what that means exactly, uh, maybe that's a, like a philosophical reference of some kind, like a story, um, the, and he has a link there, so that's probably exactly what it is. Um, the ultimate champion of resistance. I am not planning to attend the gathering, mostly because I am certain that everyone in the room will be one, happier than me, and two, will have made a much bigger and more important difference in the world than I have. So I think this person did go to Landmark, but not, you know, originally back in the day, you know, so he doesn't think he can measure up to them for that reason, perhaps. All right, look at me projecting reasons on this person. <laughs> um, okay, he says, of course, that point of view is the very voice of the false I that the training itself exposed and undermined. Clearly, though, it can still raise its ugly head and convince me of some very unpleasant versions of reality and my life. To the extent that I believe and act according to those inner reports, my work is far from over. Thank God for friends, though. My dear old friend and fellow EST graduate, Eddie Greenberg, reminded me recently that when all was said and done, the value of the EST training and the various other workshops was not in fact measured by anything you did, but by who you are. And he insists that who I am has made a difference in the world, at least to him. So instead of showing up at the Biltmore, in L.A. on December 17th, I'm going over to hang out at Eddie's house. So there we go. Thank you very much, Eliezer Sobel, author, musician, and retreat leader. So I don't, I don't know if uh, Mr. Sobel is a, you know, a doctor or a uh, psychologist at all. This was simply published in Psychology Today, which... I believe is a consumer, you know, public-facing uh, magazine. Uh, generally, I think I've seen it on the newsstand racks uh, over the years. But the link, of course, to the story will be in the show notes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I found it instructive because th this person, you know, may not be a uh, psychologist, but they, I, th I thought they were pretty eloquent about the, you know, perceived value of landmark training in like um, the optimal spirit, you know, uh, when it's, uh, let me say, you know, those folks who are coming to get together at the time of this guy writing that article, you know, had the, the best version of the EST experience on some level, so much so that they, you know, wanted to have a reunion the same way we would have a high school reunion or a college class reunion, you know, 40 years later, and they came, you know, together and got together. Or at least those folks were, you know, 
positive enough about it when they were asked to participate in an event celebrating that that was put together. They 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 went ahead and came out. So Are I they don't know. celebrating the first weekend? Right. Yeah, they were celebrating I, that and the spirit of the the spirit of the mission of the EST training. You right. Know? But usually something like a reunion mm-hmm. or something like that, it's rekindling some kind of social connection that you've yep. had with someone. Yeah. But as I recall, it's directly specified that people who attend this event don't interact with the people around them, right? Well, so so th- this event wasn't, again, a training seminar so much. You know what I mean? This was a – so that's exactly what I glossed over in the – story but you know at the beginning of the story he mentions that he um well that it's a gathering of the of the uh original human potential movement graduates and then he goes on to to say that he was invited to participate in the event you know by uh a friend who also had done landmark um oh i understand so yeah i don't I was just picking at a detail. No, no, no. You know, I was going to – here's that little uh, paragraph about it. So it says, The event in Los Angeles will be provided over by three former EST trainers, Landon Carter, Stuart Emery, Ted Long, all of whom, interestingly, broke their original working contracts with Werner at some point fairly early on in the game and left the EST organization to do their own thing. Good good, good paragraph to skip, huh, Steve? <laughs> you know, and this is what I'm saying. This is an interesting and contentious group. Here's these all these alpha personalities that come together, and, you know, then they peel off, and but now they're back, you know, doing this event, right, for whatever reason. So Money. then it says here, uh, so the reunion in, in Los Angeles is independent, generated not by an organization or a person. Werner Erhard himself will not be part of it, but simply by the grassroots energy of real people with a shared gratitude and enthusiasm for an experience that changed their lives. Their friends and guests are also welcome, those who never experienced EST, as well as graduates of Actualizations, Lifespring, and all the other similar workshops of that time. So it sounds like a con, a convention. It might also be a con because that's, you know, part of what the, the crit, you know, the critics will tell you uh, about Landmark. Um, it says, uh, all the other similar workshops of that time, along with participations from uh, participants from the Landmark Forum, the program that essentially took over EST in the late 80s. So absolutely. So this was, you know, uh, Fans of the original EST training or maybe Landmark Forum people, you know, probably. Because who else really, at the end of the day, is going to organize this event, even in 2011, when the event... So, Landmark took over for EST in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, like 91, I think they bought the thing from him and started doing it. Um, And... uh, you know, it's they they process like 
I think maybe half a million people a year through this training. I don't think they're growing, you know, drastically fast, but that's, you know, still a lot of people by most estimates. So I did it here in Washington and Seattle. My class was 150 people or more. I believe they stay busy more or less year-round, George, right here in the Northwest. So, like, this is something that you could go do next weekend if you wanted to, if you had the money. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, uh, they're not, you know, they're not not helping some people. You know, and 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 the the guy. So the reason why I read that Psychology Today article is because he makes the very good point that, you know, if you're on the journey, on the path, you know, of of self knowledge, whatever you want to call it, um, you can take a bunch of different routes, and some are more spiritualistic in approach than others, and others are more secular. Uh, and, uh, you know, perhaps seemingly uh, different or more clinical, you know, and then, you know, yet we may find that a lot of things, you know, end up uh, leading us back to the, the same spaces and the same places, or maybe you can, you can use all those different methods and different approaches to still, to still get to the same spaces and the same places. Um, and what we've come to understand about Landmark is that what they've got is, you know, one approach to personal development. They also have, in my opinion, um, you know, I've, I've said to you, George, that, you know, the, the whole way most people who aren't uh, members of a corporation who more or less either offer it as a quote-unquote perk and an opportunity for advancement, like, take this voluntarily, and it'll be great on your next review. You know what I mean? And who knows what that could lead to, you know? All sorts of opportunities with management, because if your, you know, regional manager also did the landmark training and loved it and went on to do the advanced training, you know, they may be pumped to take more people from a department that is participating you know, more in the landmark training as part of their development. You know, that's that's one big way they get new people in for, for training in the organization is the corporate vector. And then there's people like me who get invited by a family member or a friend who's either been through it or somehow heard about it from word of mouth. Um, and they get invited to someone's graduation, another friend. Or maybe it is the friend who invites you is graduating from their landmark experience. I love how they use graduation. It's, it's a it's a tool. You know, it makes you feel like well, it makes people around you feel obliged to attend. This is what I'm saying. They, they come word, dressed up. They're right. excited for you because of the word. They yeah. use a different word to describe yes. it. It would not have the same effect. Yes. That's really, that's part of the insidious, insidiousness of it. So that's the thing. And, you know, that's, it's, to me, that's where you're like, you already started out on the wrong foot. How can anything else that you're doing be super forthright if that's how you have to 
get people in the door. Right. As you were talking, and as you were going through the, the bit just before this, and you were talking about that essay, or whatever it was, um, I was thinking about it, and wondering if it matters whether the source of the Enlightenment is um, pure in its intentions or not. Can you gather enlightenment that benefits your life from something that wishes you harm or that cares nothing for your future? I would imagine just as easily as you can gather it from something that cares. At least coming from either source, it can have equal value. Right? So maybe something like Landmark that is using marketing devices to squeeze money out of people in exchange for uh, a gift of some kind of knowledge. Maybe they are no less able to bring benefit to someone's life as a totally benevolent and not financially interested organization. I don't know. Just, that's my thought. I was just thinking about that while you were talking. So. Yep. No. Well, uh, one of the things that uh, is to me the thing that I'm trying to build towards is, you know, you get invited in by someone who's just gone through the training, and in a lot of cases, it's and it's. I don't know the percentage to which this is the case. This would be an interesting. Um, you know, and I'm sorry I didn't uh, look into seeing how much of this may be actually understood or have been made public or, or you know divulged or figured out by now. But as I told you, George, my uh, my weekend was sponsored. You know, so my future father-in-law paid for it. He thought it was a personal development, career development thing. He damn near signed up for him for it himself. I think he he figured out there towards the end of the first night the Tuesday night visit that we went to which was a graduation ceremony but we didn't actually I don't think we I think we did know a graduate his like like friend or employee or something like that a former employee or somebody like that um, had graduated from it and that's the thing I just didn't attach a lot of importance to them because I went for Phil you know because Phil's like yeah come check this out it seems interesting we'll all go and we'll support her and we'll go check it out because it sounds like an interesting personal development thing. Steve, you might like it, you know. Phil's retired, though, right? He's a retiree, so he's, you know, a little bit more immune to this shit. He's like, yeah, I don't need to come back and pay you guys another few, you know, a bunch of money to come back and hang out with you guys and learn how to advance my career. I just retired, you know. <laughs> uh, I, totally understandable. You know, I get it. But he was like, well, screw it. You know, they offer a special if you sign up on the on the night of. You know what I mean? And you're and you're ready to pay, right there. So, I don't think he paid like seven hundred. I think he paid something more like six hundred bucks or something, though. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't cheap. It was no joke. He's like, Steve, if you want to go do this thing, I'll I'll pay for you to go. And uh, I think my friend who went, you know, back east, who recorded some audio for us here was also sponsored by someone. And I think he mentioned that on his own audio. That actual uh, propensity for some people who believe in Landmark because they've gone through it themselves 
so passionately that to um, to the extent that in order to bring in some of their closest friends, they will sponsor some of them as many as they can afford to according to their means. So, you know, it's not clear the level to which different individuals are being leveraged to, you know, potentially bring in their whole families. Let's say you get a mom or a dad of a family, you know, the matriarch or patriarch, and they get all their, you know, kids to go through Landmark. <laughs> you know, now you got a whole family full of tuition that's gone through the Landmark organization, you know, and that can be quite taxing to a household at, you know, 700 bucks a pop, 600 bucks a pop, um, just for the first weekend of classes. And that's if you don't, you know, want to go further with the organization. And then, as I mentioned to you, George, they, they want volunteer participation from graduates in future weekends uh, that, that these graduates also should be planning to take that advanced training, you know, in the perfect landmark model, you know, to to get, you know, sharper and sharper, to get, you know, I don't know what you call it, clearer and clearer, more progress, closer to enlightenment, you know. But the funny thing is, is that, you know, at the end of weekend one, we'll come to see there's a big reveal and the big reveal, you know, isn't that big, you know, he, uh, it's he's already mentioned it. You know, it's 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 very much an existentialist kind of, you know, what you see is what you get. It's it's nothing, you know, nothing has this greater arc or meaning, you know, and I'm not saying that's, you know, disastrous for me to grapple with uh, at this stage of the game so much as I'm saying that it's interesting that, you know, that is the big secret of the weekend. Um, but again. At the end of the day, they're taking you from an assumed point A of being, you know, maybe nowhere along your journey, not having taken those first few steps to where, you know, some people who have taken those first few steps might see where things are going very early on in the weekend. I can say for myself that I didn't really get what was happening in terms of the, the type of psychology that was being presented and philosophy that was being presented until about like halfway through the second day, you know, something like that um, was when I started to see a few things that, you know, felt similar to a lot more things to me. The whole time I felt a, uh, a uh, connection to what they were saying that was resonating back to a lot of the stuff that I had learned through studying Taoism personally. And it only got more strident towards the second half of the event that it transitioned from this, you know, you mentioned Buddhism earlier that it's, it felt like and sounded like Buddhism when I was reading and talking about the part about where they were talking about living in the now, yeah, not worrying about the future, letting go of the past. It has a lot of okay. Eastern philosophical yep. aspects. Yep. So yeah. that was crucially, uh, you know, and that, that's where it felt, you know, more, mellow, more, you know, introspective and, and, uh, less confrontational. And then it transitioned to this like Freudian, you know, uh, and then in ways like this, um, uh, 
more formal, like you felt like they were not philosophizing anymore, but psychologizing with you. They were doing group therapy. They were doing group psycho, you know, psychotherapy work in a sense. Um, it felt like a like you're like, oh, this is what it must be like to be in AA, or this must be what it must be like to be in I picked that up. any of these kind yeah, of while you were talking, you about know, it. that these vibes. What I, and uh-huh. what do I know? I know cliched TV depictions of that, those other things. But I know what I grew up with in the church. Okay, and that's part of why I asked you, you know, to sit with me and talk about this too, George, because mm-hmm. you know, we first off, we both, you know. Uh, Spend time thinking about, um, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm making sure we're still recording, and we are, because our screen went dark for a second, and you know we've had that challenge, I think, yeah. in the past where um, it's Ouch. fallen off. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, I know what I grew up with in the church. I know that you grew up with uh, some, you know, some uh, religious uh, background, yeah. and then, but now as an adult, you know, you're practicing, and you also have uh, have spent a little bit of time as we hope to revisit at some point here in the future uh, in the Mormon church. Yeah. Right? So that, you know, it may give you a very unique perspective as far as I'm concerned, and not to say that that is super similar to any of this that we're covering tonight. I'm just excited that, you know, I believe that it all factors into our perspective, right, and our ability to uh, look at the whole thing that's going on here. Now, what we were just concentrating on was – the leveraging of different um, relationships and family members and friends to recruit their, you know, their next folks in to Landmark. And then I would like to point out that I also think that the more educated you are, the more well-to-do and fortunate you and your family have been um, in most ways that would enable a person to have access to higher education um, and have pursued that first before they, uh, you know, and liberal, liberal Western, you know, college education as opposed to necessarily like the straight, you know, engineering, STEM, you know, uh, math and, and, you know, engineering track, uh, the more the liberal arts side of things and, and stuff, um, would be where you'd get, you know, more time. You'd spend more time on the curriculum that would give you exposure to all these philosophers that I'm talking about, right? Um, the more likely you were to have had access to that early on, the less likely you'd be, you know, you, you would have come out and had a degree and probably got, you know, gainful employment somewhere that put you on a, on a life path that, Unless you were corporate, again, invited and or required to take it as training, you could very well get invited to a landmark graduation and go see somebody's graduation and, uh, you know, politely decline their, you know, very aggressive invitations to, you know, take advantage of their training opportunity and the special that would also be offered to, you know, any new uh, people that night. Uh, you know, who came to support those uh, friends that had just graduated. Uh, you know, you're going to brush that off and, and go back to work in your law office the next morning and don't worry about it because you ain't got time to go to Landmark Forum. But if you're the other 
family member who got invited who's maybe the hairdresser cousin or something like that, and that's not a knock on hairdressers. I apologize. It could be somebody like me who was, you know, working in food service and stuff like that. I think I was just coming off of my bike industry uh, career at that time, so and I don't think I had quite started working in software yet. So I definitely was doing some, you know, more, I was doing some more marginal, you know, stuff, some management, some retail management. I think that was like the snowboard shop time, you know, era. Um, you know, fun work and good stuff, but, you know, retail management, right? And so, sure, if you're a retail manager and you go to the graduation night and everybody at Landmark is juiced on the Landmark uh, Kool-Aid, you know, and they're looking smart, and they got a, a twinkle in their eye, and they're excited about all the graduates, and they're and they're you know saying some you know really interesting things, but not really getting specific with what they're pitching that night. And then you know maybe somebody sponsors you to go, or maybe they don't. Maybe you pull together the money. Now that's the more important point here that I'm making is that maybe you go, all right, well fuck it, my. I paid rent this month. I've got it. I've got it sewn up. You know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, but I can do this. We'll just, you know, take a little bit out of savings and go to this training. So you plunk down a few hundred bucks and you go to that training, and it's expensive, but, you know, maybe you get something out of it too. But I do think that it's particularly attractive to people of lesser means and I bet when you look at the overall uh, people who go and who pay to go on to advanced training as well, I bet you it continues to be people who have to really work hard to come come up with that money to participate in the landmark training and do this stuff because it is not a joke. It just gets more expensive as you go, um, which, again, I feel is a little inconsistent with you know, what their stated mission statement and stuff is when you go to their website and you look at all their language there about what they want to do, you know, for helping the world. It's, you know, it's just kind of like, well, can't you come up with versions of this that are cheaper and more accessible to everybody and, you know, put more of this stuff out, you know, white paper style and just, you know, if you want to preach it, preach it, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, what do you think? What do you think about uh, the old landmark forum, George? Well, like I said, if it brings people to a better place, even if they only believe that they've gotten to a better place because of it, then that's positive. If they're willing to spring for the money, then that removes the financial concern entirely from assessing whether or not this thing is really uh, a positive organization. Mm-hmm. They're willing to pay the money for it, so be it. Mm-hmm. They're not being roped into doing so. There's no contract where they have to do it. Right. So it's elective, and if it makes them feel good, then ultimately that's it's all we should really care about. However... Aside from the fact that I think that one thing you mentioned um, is an unquestionably good uh, moment of enlightenment for someone, I'll get back to that in a moment. Aside from that, if they're doing things 
that are intended to create an army of marketeers for their philosophy, then that's that's another thing, and that that creeps more into the mass mind control realm, which is scary, scary place to be. That would be very different. But one of the things that you mentioned, and I think it was when you were talking about EST, was the development of outside perception of oneself. Mm-hmm. Am I yep. am I right? In, yep. Okay. So I that, think it was the self versus the I. Yeah. The false I. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, that, for me, my, I would not describe myself as enlightened, but I would describe myself as someone who has um, accidentally bumbled into the boundaries of enlightenment. And, and for me, um, sometimes it's, it's just smoking some weed. Right. And Amen to that. I, I've had more than a couple of experiences where I, I genuinely feel like I have created or discovered or tuned in to um, a an unconcerned um, audience to my conscious life that I would be able to duplicate myself outside of my body and to be able to perceive myself, my actions, my history, my thoughts from another perspective. And in doing that, I would lose my biases about myself, my distortions about who I am or my values and how I behave and how I've affected other people. All these things are constructs. I sever myself from those things and I step into this other perspective and look back and it's terrifying because a lot of things that I have accepted as part of the patchwork of my identity that I value as such I then realize that they are untruths about who I am things that I've I've allowed myself to have a distorted perspective on so when you talk about a philosophy, whether it costs 700 bucks or not, that would help someone to uh, find that uh, that perspective on themselves, I say that's a good thing. But again, mind control is also scary, mm-hmm. and it sounds a lot to me that they are giving medicine to people that need it but the medicine is designed and delivered and with intent that's maybe a little bit evil well it's just so weird the way it's you know I just I hate the initial bait and switch introduction tactic that seems central to the the getting of the public involved okay it's really easy from the corporate angle to just be like this is a career development personal development thing we think it's really great they you know do it all over the world blah 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 blah. you're going you know or go and you know it'll it'll help your career that's one angle the public though most of the public i get the feeling get exposed to it through that family member who you know went for work 
but then graduated and is supposed to bring somebody anyway, just like everybody, because the work and the homework that they tell you to do is call these family members and have heart-to-hearts and mend relationships. You know what I mean? Who do you think you're going to invite to graduation on Tuesday night after your three-day weekend? But the people who you just called and made friends with again, or, you know, the people who are closest to you anyway, who you've been bickering with for years, who you, again, called and had a heart-to-heart with and talked about how inauthentic you've been with them up till now. Again, none of these things are horrible things, doing that personal work of putting in the time and being authentic with yourself and being authentic with that family member or friend. But there you go. So you call them, literally, guys, that's the pitch, okay, the whole weekend, George, is that they tell you that, you know, you're not being authentic with yourself. You need to be authentic with yourself or you can't, you know, realize your dreams, blah, 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 blah. And the way you do that is by being authentic with the people who you fucked. You, you know, ding-dongs, go do the work, you know. So then, so then they want you to go do that work all in a three-day weekend, right? And so on, on night one, they want you to do some homework. It's like write a, a letter, or maybe call somebody. I think it's like write a letter at least and, and you know, mail it, you know, um, or email somebody and send it. Um, and then on night two, it's like to call somebody literally. Um, and uh, but then so then it's all about this authenticity with them. And then you're supposed to invite somebody to your graduation and what is the graduation but really just a sales pitch for Landmark for them? And it's a, a pretty aggressive one, too, when you arrive. And it feels disingenuous, that presentation. So I do not like that. And I think nobody likes that. And that spirit is continued in the volunteerism angle and the continued leveraging of those people to recruit their friends. Um, and these are the people who you'll see have made all these YouTube videos that sort of criticize the higher levels, the quote-unquote advanced courses. And, you know, again, their critique is not super directly on the material that's covered in the advanced course, George. It's, again, more of the same philosophy and psychology work that's done, again, in two-day and three-day workshops and four-day workshops. Um, okay, uh, but that cost a little bit more. You know, and again, their their critiques aren't directly heavily on that stuff because it's not utterly worthless shit. It's stuff right. that's stuff that you could do that's methods and that's work that you could put in that's right. like therapy type work. There is value in this stuff. Right? Um, value. But the, the – in contrast to a licensed therapist or a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist – and this is what I guess I'm saying, and I'm not advocating for Western medicine and pill popping either, you know, um, you know, uh, and I've only done very little bit of therapy myself over the years. Maybe I need more. I probably do. Everybody who's done more says you need, you know, just keep doing it. You know, you're supposed to just do it. Um, uh, in contrast to those professions george those guys can't tell you okay uh you've been doing great progress george you know here on your on your weekly visits um i need you to keep doing the work you've been doing because that's really important but we really need you know you've talked about your mother a lot she sounds like she really needs to be down here too and you should get her down here with you and you should bring your sister too 
you know, and, and, uh, you know, eventually group therapists, you know, therapists do get families involved, I, you know, I do believe, but this therapist would also not mind drawing the line with your coworker that you've mentioned a few times in therapy and say, no, they should be down here with us. Not, not that guy needs his own therapist. No, he needs to be with me. He needs to be down here at our practice, you know, even if he doesn't see me, he's going to see one of the other therapists that's down here with me here at, you know, McNulty Brothers, you know, clinic, <laughs> whatever the fuck it's called. So, all right, yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying is is uh, a big difference though. Is you can't recruit like that for therapists, you know, new patients. That's not how that works. Right. That's not their business model. Yeah. Well, like so, I said, it's it's part of the creepiness. So that's the creepy factor. Yeah. That's the creepy vibe, guys. But George's point is super valid, and I do actually agree in the in the grand scheme of things. If people do have the means, that also gives them great power over the manipulative side of this whole thing. Because if to you $700 is disposable income, or even if $700 is inconsequential, but you feel like, okay, I've come to – I heard the good, I heard the bad – I, I, I'm familiar with some of these tenets and I'm interested to hear what this, you know, experience is all about. It certainly sounds easier than an Indian sweat lodge, you know, experience and, you know, a Native American, uh, sweat lodge experience, excuse me. Uh, uh, and, uh, that would, you know, probably certainly be the, the case, <laughs> or a hundred other, you know, rigors that one could put themselves through to try to pursue obviously the connection that i was trying to draw horribly and clumsily there was that you know it's a you know spiritual work or personal uh work of whatever uh type that you know i think in whatever form we're saying is kind of uh on the on the path to would be enlightenment, right? To a place of peace, to a place of personal peace, um, where you're, you know, feeling all right. Like you got it somewhat figured out. Um, so if you can plan for that, so even if it's not inconsequential, but you can plan for that and you can plunk down that money, and it's not going to put you out of any meals, and it's not going to make you miss the car payment, you know what I mean? then sure you can go check it out and you can you know quite probably derive some value out of it and that may be transitory and in my case you know i feel like it was like you know it kind of charged me up a little bit but i sure as shit wasn't recruiting extra people to come back to go to landmark with me i wasn't going to no advanced classes I wouldn't ask anybody else to sponsor me for advanced classes, and I wouldn't want to be sponsored for advanced classes because I didn't need any more of it than I got in the three-day weekend, you know, of their brand of it. You know what I mean? But it didn't harm me either. And it maybe helped me more than I even know it did, whether that was just in that next few months or year, or maybe some of it is still with me today. Um... I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, I've been well, critical. I've been critical of it the whole way along, and I remain critical of you know that that bait and switch introduction method that they utilize for the public. Right. 
for the general public? Well, it doesn't. If if you're, uh, well, it also the flip side of what I was saying about it being able to be a beneficial thing, even if the, the methods are ugly. The flip side is that it doesn't mean that they're not ugly. Mm-hmm. You know what they're doing might have a positive benefit, but if if their methods are uh, misleading or just creepy, intrusive, if they have some um, interest in mind control on any level, I mean they're said bad. to be a little, a little, um, what you know, close and and stalkery, not stalkery, but like. Needy and demanding of those advanced students and the volunteers, you know, right. on a certain level, because they, they, they like, want to get them involved more and more. I keep feeling like there's another layer of this onion that none of us are hearing about or seeing, which is, like, like the super landmarks or something like that. Like, who are they? You know, what's what happens after you get through all the advanced shit? Who's the bosses that run Landmark? What's their, you know, real mission? You know, maybe I need to read deeper into their, you know materials that are published to to get to there maybe i need to see where those people are in the private sector you know but i'm not you know i'm not you know i don't know if we need to spend all year being investigative journalists on landmark forum trying to expose them because you know there's probably other people who have tried to check them out a little bit deeper than we have well we can revisit i really do think they're you know, more than worthy of revisiting, obviously, too. And we're not totally done, but we are, we're, we're about there. I mean, we're, we've got a few minutes of audio from my friend who, uh, I think we'll close out with, uh, today, but, can uh, I just, can I step in? Yeah. Just real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, please step the, in. <laughs> the descriptions that I've read and what you've discussed mm-hmm. about EST and about Landmark. Um, the things that they teach, or the, the at least the little gems, the things that you would pull away and remember, they sound like, as you've already mentioned, they sound like things from from other religions and other philosophies. You know, there's a lot of Eastern stuff in there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for someone who has been exposed to these things already in their life through personal study or through social engagements or, or religious practice or whatever for those people who've already seen this and have thought about it um, I would imagine that these programs would be less valuable, they have less impact they would have less less of an uh, immediate uh, value and less of a, a value afterwards it would just be, it would feel like a waste of time perhaps but for people who have not been exposed to any of these things, I would imagine that their response to this kind of training would be like, wow, you know, all these really important truths. But all they're doing is they're repackaging a bunch of stuff that's been developed by other people over eons. Mm-hmm. And they're delivering it to you in a way that sucks you in so they can get money out of you. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and so you know, and even when you do know a little bit going in, like like I, you know, profess to have, like my friend professes to have, um, it's a emotional group therapy session that lasts three days and has you know very few snacks and very limited you know formal breaks, uh, one for lunch in the middle of the day, you know, earlier in the middle of the day, right? It's in the earlier half of the day, um, and. Uh, 
so you actually, if you're willing to stay there for the three days, you're going to at some point become susceptible to quite a bit of the emotional component that's continuously being, you know, influenced over the group, you know, and that's the continual invitations to the microphone for different people to, you know, self-examine and, you know, speechify to the group. And then the uh, facilitator who's overall, you know, moving the conversation forward the entire time. Um, and again, casting like a big spell over everybody, right? You know, like literally for three days. So you will have, you know, some of that experience. And, you know, even as a person who knows some of it, you're going to like, it's a good, like, it's a good way to go in and spend some time working on that stuff if you haven't worked on it in a while too, you know? So I guess, I guess I'm like cautiously also saying that, yeah, you know, if you've got the means, it's probably absolutely fine to check it out and probably can't do really much harm to a person who's, you know, uh, comfortable and not uh, worried about uh, being in the room with a kind of yelly facilitator a little bit. It's just kind of the style of the landmark style. They start out, you know, it's kind of confrontational, I think, because they're trying to get everybody, you know, bulldozed through a few stages of, you know, realization of certain, you know, concepts that they want to get across in a pretty short period of time, right? So... Maybe that's the way they've figured out how to do it. So, all right. Well, you got any other thoughts on on this? No, that's all I've got. Okay. Um, I like it. I I really. Uh, I mean, I think I would invite and love everybody's thoughts on this episode. Uh, I hope a few other people who have gone through uh, the Landmark Forum and maybe somebody who's uh, attended the advanced courses to share with us, um, you know, any additional thoughts and reflections they have on that next layer of the training, you know, because maybe I'm really selling that short in terms of maybe there's a lot more going on there than I know about or understand. Um, so yeah, help us out if you can. That would be wonderful and certainly give us an opportunity to revisit this. Uh, George, thank you for hanging. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been hanging out all afternoon, so we had dinner together. Uh, a literal smorgasbord of uh, snacks and then a lovely fish dinner. Uh, so hope you enjoyed that. I did. Thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. See, come over on the show. Come be a guest. You never know. I might feed you. Um, everybody, you uh, have been here with us for a good little while. We're going to close out with just a few minutes of reflections from my good friend who just finished his Landmark Forum training. So this has been a uh, deep dive on the topic, and we'll get back to some weed talk next week. Some uh, interesting updates in the cannabis industry, including, I want to say it is San Francisco, California, getting ready to retroactively apply their modern-day cannabis legalization laws uh, to 
uh, convicted nonviolent uh, cannabis offenders in their system, both in jail and out. Um, this is a powerful uh, gesture, and we'll spend some time talking about that and potentially the hopeful positive influence that may have reverberating outward into the future in other areas. Um, next week should also be pretty darn close to the Canacon event here in Seattle, which is the industry event coming up that I'm very excited about. So uh, I invite everybody to, uh, especially locals here, to please get in touch with me through the any of the usual means, uh, that including, of course, my email address, talk to us at bakedandawake.com for uh, just hooking up and saying hello uh, at Canacon. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. We'll, we'll let you do it to it. You know what I'll be doing? Smoking indica and doing shit anyway. Stand by, though. I'm going to transition. I'm going to come back in with some audio, raw audio from my good friend who just finished his Landmark Forum experience. And, uh... We'll see you all in just another few days after that. Hey everyone, just a super quick note from me about the audio that does follow. I experienced a slight but difficult to manage aux cable issue uh, that was necessary to our input of the audio that you're about to hear. So a couple of words here and there may have been dropped. I hope you forgive me. I may post these audio files in a uncut version as a bonus material on our website or on our podcast page. I will figure out how to handle that. I think overall the audio is still for the most part fine and I have minimized the obviousness of the issue but you may notice a word or phrase dropped in just a couple of instances here and there um, thank you and we'll talk to you soon Um, this one might be a little bit more lengthy than the first one. Um, Alright, so here we go. So on my second day at the Landmark Forum, I was probably the hardest day, to be honest with you. It was probably the most, uh, it was slow, it was sludgy, it was grudging, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to mention, I had to take a train ride to uh, 40, I believe 30, 33rd Street. I live in Far Rockaway, that's about two hours away. So the train drives were ridiculous. Oh my god! So on top of that, we had to we have to be in there early to late. That was just one of the things I didn't understand why we had to do it. But at the same time, I kind of understood it. So it's probably like some kind of uh, uh, so you can't record the techniques and everything in one sitting and stuff like that. But that's that's hearsay. That's just kind of skepticism. Um, <clears throat> second day was very intriguing. There's a lot of people coming up to the microphone, getting comfortable, kind of having their own uh, 
like courage and confidence to getting up on the mic and talking and speaking to one another and expressing what happened to them and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I won't name names and everything's going to remain anonymous. There are a few individuals who came up and really spoke like some really powerful things and uh, changed the attitude of the, uh, the crowd. Um, in terms of psychology, there's a lot of things you can see attributed to, like, say, for instance, Jordan Peterson, who is a YouTube uh, Jordan Peterson, um, Santos Bonacci, and a lot of metaphysical uh, teachings such as alchemy and uh, uh, hermeticism and um, uh, even uh, transcendentalism. There's a lot of teachings in the Landmark Forum that can be attributed to some of these things you learn in metaphysics. Uh, during my years of studying metaphysics and being an alchemist, I was more likely just intrigued by the way these guys spoke rather than the message itself. Um, to be fair, a lot of the techniques and tactics weren't new to me, and I didn't want to come off as brash and kind of, uh, like, I didn't want to come off like a know-it-all dick, and I was just open-minded, and um, really, really opened my eyes to uh, a lot of the things that we uh, fall into, is tranquilized obviousness, and uh, that. I forgot the name of the physician that they stolen the term from. <laughs> uh, just tranquilized obviousness, which is just kind of like going by day to day, not realizing the change in life, et cetera, et cetera. It's true. It's true. We all have that. And they, you know, borrowed some techniques from Taoism, uh, Buddhism as well. Hey, this is a continuation for the second day. Okay, so as I was saying, um, there's a lot of intriguing psychology utilized in the forum. I think the most interesting thing overall for the second day was the overcoming, was the confidence of everybody individually coming up to the microphone. And you can obviously tell there are people who are still there and just didn't get it. And for them, for those people, those are people who are going to keep on, you know, they're going to keep paying the money and doing the courses and, you know. So it is a marketing thing. I understand that. But there were individuals that I spoke to there that got it almost instantly. Me, I got it right away. There's so like three days to teach you just to simplify things, and that's one of the ways that uh, the forum uh, really benefits a lot of people because we make things way too technical than it needs to be, <laughs> which I find absolutely, you know, that's 100% right. Um, you know, we are making things too complicated, and. Sometimes we hold on to things we don't need to hold on to, which is 100% absolutely correct. You can't move on into the next part of your life with all this baggage and luggage. You know, you got to let it go and you pick up from where you, you, you want to pick up from. You don't pick up from where you left off because you're not making a change. And uh, the message was good, you know, for the second day. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was really nice to see, yeah, even on like the second day we're all kind of tired, people still getting up, being confident, um, speaking about their problems, and uh, the forum leader was, was a straight uh, savage, Jerry, fucking dude was, um, he was like, it seemed at times like he didn't give a crap about what you had to say, and a lot of times I felt like, you know, it's just a show, he's putting it on. And other times I felt like he was really genuine and very authentic and just like, you know, like he really did care about your well-being. And uh, it's, a, it's a weird little front they do to just like, oh, like, 
whatever you're going through, whatever, whatever you've been through, whatever. Like, they show no care or remorse to what you've been through. And it seems a little inhuman, but at the same time, it's like this necessary barrier you have to overcome. And that's how they overcome it. And I understand, you know, they have their tactics. They have their ways in which they do things. They follow their psychology. You know, Landmark, I can say, was, it's like, it's for extremely logical people who, uh, who think too much. And it's just a good way to, like, kind of calm down your way of thinking, just chill out. And just live in the moment. It's a good way to simplify things. Like I go back to to Buddhism and Zen, the way of the Zen and alchemy. They teach you the same things. It's all about simplifying things. It's all about finding a simple technique to making a greater, technical, more uh, efficient way of living. <laughs> Everything starts off simple. It's not always as hard as we think it is. Uh, but I'm gonna wrap it up for day two. I'm gonna send you this one. And I'm gonna work on the day three clip. Day three. Day three was probably the best day for me in the form, mostly because I made a personal breakthrough. Uh, the first two days, I didn't do the exercises. I didn't really call anybody. didn't write the letters. I kind of was just kind of in it for myself. I just wanted to get the the tactics, the way of thinking, the methodology, the methodology, the psychology of it. I wanted to keep it to myself, down pack, and just kind of like, yeah, you know, run with it and utilize it and stuff like that. But the main purpose of the forum, in my opinion, uh, is kind of just making breakthroughs with people around you and not really yourself. It doesn't focus on you. It, it teaches you how to personalize, but it doesn't really focus on you. The only thing that really focuses on you is the part where you let go, where, um, where you take personal responsibility for everything and just let go of it as is. Other than that, it's not really, like, that third day kind of taught me more than the first two days combined. Because uh, the first two days we were speaking about uh, phrases, and buzzwords, and uh, uh, science, and things of that nature. Third day was more, like, uh, was more personal. Only because I did the exercises. Finally, I did the exercises and it felt great. And it felt really good. It felt liberating. Um, in a sense that, uh, didn't have to feel like, um, I had to impress anyone or I had to, uh, make myself look good in individuals' eyes and things like that. I just had to do it for me. It had to look good for me. And these are things that, you know, we tell ourselves every day, but there's something about being being in a room locked up for three straight, fifteen hours a day with no clock, no windows, about it that helps to stick. And I think that they do that um, to kind of get you to just focus. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was uh, it kind of being similar to like going to church where you're you're like in church for like six uh, eight hours or whatever. And it's because they want to drill into you that, you know, these things are the way. This is the way, and that's how things should be taken care of, and so forth and so forth. So, you know, it had, it had its uses, and it was um, it was helping to get the matter to stick. And I feel like that's what was the best part of it. It, it had a, a straight... And to me, I feel like it was just something that uh, just benefited me overall. It's nothing really, um, 
There's really more I can't say about Third Day. Third Day kind of was just um, more or less just like a bunch more people coming up to the microphone speaking, coming out of their shells a lot more. It did build a lot of confidence in everyone. And that's one thing I can say about the forum is that the people who got it, they automatically knew what areas they were lacking in and just. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, <clears throat> this is going to be the final entry for the uh, Landmark Forum questionnaire, or I guess kind of interview, <clears throat> for my buddy at Baked and Awake, Steve. Uh, thank you once again for having me on. It's a pleasure. I love your show. I've listened to every episode thus far. I love listening to it when I go to sleep, because you know when you go to sleep, you retain memory a lot easier. I listen to it in the daytime as well. Um, yeah, so um, let's just cut to the chase. Um, so the final day of the graduation was, was pretty much what you would expect. Uh, the third day that he told us this huge secret that's going to change our lives and things like that. And, you know, the big secret was one big joke, you know, life is meaningless. I mean, it automatically, I, <laughs> it was kind of like, like, oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> he spent all this money just for you to tell us everything we knew or everything we loved is meaningless. And I get it. I got it. And, um. It just reminds me of this book, uh, Be Here Now. It's this dude who's a monk. He took an acid trip and he wrote this book and he drew these illustrations and, and you know, and the, in the book it was just talking about simplification, existing in the now, not existing in the past, not existing in the future. Like just all these, um, things that go against our natural survival instincts. Uh, so I, I just kind of off rip knew where this was leading to and it wasn't uh wasn't that big a deal to me there were some people who got very offended by it and felt like they were scammed or gypped which is cool you know you're entitled to feel you feel uh overall graduation experience hey bring people and when i came by myself uh it seems like everyone took notice of that I was approached by a lot of people. Hey, you're going to be bringing in guests. Hey, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, they really drill that into your head to bring guests. I mean, I get why, because you do want people to see you, uh, you know, in your graduation. And it is a big accomplishment. But it was also at the same time, just like one big advertisement. Uh, they gave us a book, which was pretty cool. You could write your thoughts in it. And I'm learning that that book is going to be used for the advanced course. As for the advanced course, they want you to bring in, uh, a notebook and a pen so you can do more um oh uh final my final thoughts on the landmark form um uh, it's great i think a lot of people should do it i think people who have the money should do it um and i i'm not too sure uh i don't know if i'm too into the forum to make any comments on it being cult-like but there is a huge emphasis on being there being there like that stuff to do uh well hey you made obligation to come here so you have to be here they really hold you to your word even if, you know what you've got going on like if you're gonna be there you gotta be there and it's it's i get it the integrity aspect of it at the same time it's a little bit overwhelming and kind of selfish you, you know you're i don't know maybe that's the story i'm telling maybe running around this doesn't seem balanced it seems like you have to if you have it's very draining very draining but i see why they do it it's, 
I get it, the integrity aspect of it. At the same time, it's a little bit overwhelming and kind of selfish. You, you know, you're, I don't know, maybe that's the story I'm telling. Maybe I'm running a racket, but it just doesn't seem balanced. It seems like you have to, if you have to do landmark in a week, you have to base your schedule around it. If you have to work, then you got to go to work from there. And being there 15 hours, very but I see why they do it. It's a big therapy session, but they don't call it therapy. It's more like psychology. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Those are my final thoughts on the forum. Very great, very positive. Met a lot of great people. Great for networking. Just opening your mind. And I think I think older people should do it because it's good for helping people let go of stuff. I mean, there is something positive that comes out of it. Like it really does. They really do help you overcome a lot of negative roadblocks in your life. So I feel like yeah, I feel like. If you got money to do it, do it. Listen to someone who's done it. And and rumors and hearsay. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening.